0: Greetings friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dharma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dharma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.
1: Good
0: morning everyone. We're getting to the end of this year's... um Vipassana Structured Study. There's three classes after this left. I've uh, I've added the Upada Sutta to this study um, and you'll see why. Um, And I'm going to also add it to the book that hopefully is going to get out. This year or sometime in the next hundred years. (laughs) The samsapa Sutta. um, This is one of my favorites. Very simple and direct sutta where the Buddha uses Um, metaphor in a very powerful way to teach how simple his dhamma is and how simple it must be kept if it's going to be effective. And then he describes in completely unambiguous terms exactly what he teaches, so there should should never be any confusion as to what this awakened human being taught, although there is much. Um, And then he describes in very clear and uh, human terms, meaning non-magical, non-mystical, non-speculative terms, exactly what awakening looks like and in in a way that everybody can understand and understand that it's completely uh, within the ability of every human being to develop this. On one occasion, a Buddha was staying with a group of disciples in a simsapa forest. Simsapa is Indian rosewood. In Kasambi, he reached down picking up a handful of leaves. He then asked those gathered, what is greater in number, the leaves in my hand or those in the trees? The disciples replied, the leaves in your hand are few, those, the trees have many more. The Buddha continues, just as the leaves in the trees are more numerous, the things that I know from direct knowledge are far more num- numerous than what I teach as my Dhamma. So why is the Buddha making a point of this? Why didn't he just teach his Dhamma and leave the rest of it out?
2: constantly gets asked.
0: Because the left of it can't Let the rest of it can't be left out. People are constantly wanting to add stuff to his Dhamma to make it more than it is. It was common during his time. Interestingly enough, even with the Buddha standing in front of you, you wanted to change what he was teaching. And it's it's rampant today. In fact every day if you if you follow modern Buddhism, I'm not going to mention any websites I was going to, but but the major ones and you all know what they are. Almost every day you'll hear something that's a new, uh, breathtaking understanding in modern Buddhism. Of course, it has nothing to do with what Siddhartha Gautama talk. He's, he's been dead for 2,600 years. He's not teaching anything new. And anything that gains wide acceptance, and now anything that, takes, that gains wide acceptance in a certain um, political social climate is now part of modern Buddhism too. And again, that's, that's to be expected. That's what human beings do. They, they, they um, embellish those things that they're enamored with or attached to. So my, my modern Buddhist practice is going to be right up to date and it's going to have all the modern teachers and all their, their new techniques and whatever they're coming up with. That's going to be my Buddhist practice because I'm going to be ahead of the curve in that. Of course, all you have to do is fall back 2,600 years and you don't have to worry about being ahead of the curve or behind the curve. You can just practice the Dhamma as the Buddha taught. I said all that because isn't it interesting that the Buddha was dealing with exactly the same things then that we are now too. Nobody listened to uh, his cautions. The reason I do not teach these things is that they are not part of the Dhamma. They are not related to my Dhamma and they do not support the principles of a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. So again, that's instructions for our own Dhamma practice. If it's not part of the Dhamma, if it doesn't support the principles that are taught in the Dhamma, if it's not part of a well-integrated life framed by the Eightfold Path, we simply don't practice it. And it's not... As Dhamma practitioners who are also practicing right speech, right action, right livelihood, and who understand that, we don't have a choice as Dhamma practitioners. Of course, everybody does. And probably the greater percentage of students that actually come to me hear what the Buddha taught, and then take it and apply it to their other Buddhist practice and usually leave our Sangha. And again, that's completely understandable. I don't take it as a failure because I know that I teach in a method that is useful for some human beings. You, you've exampled that. Uh, so I don't question that. I used to in the beginning. Am I losing students because of the way I teach? And uh, and I don't think so. I think it's because of the, the, their own conditioned thinking. And again, that's fine. That's to be understood. Uh, that that things will become corrupted within a society and a a universal structure that is prone to corruption. These other things are not related to... Sorry. These other things are not related to disenchantment, to dispassion, to calm, to direct knowledge, to cessation or to self-awakening. There's so much in that one sentence. The whole dhamma is there. We strive for dispassion and for calm. <clears throat> we don't want knowledge, speculative knowledge, something that somebody tells me that sounds wonderful and flowery and beautiful but has nothing to do with the human experience. That's not dhamma practice. We want something that leads directly to knowledge and to cessation of ignorance. Cessation of what? Cessation of ignorance. We know what we're talking about. And that last line is so important or to self-awakening. It's entirely up to ourselves, which leads to all kinds of implications related to modern Buddhism and what the Buddha actually taught, and this idea of nothingness and emptiness. The Buddha never taught that the self is empty of a self. He never taught that that we should strive for some kind of vague plane of emptiness or a plane of nothingness. That's annihilation, isn't it? That's true annihilation. That's true denial of self. That's true self-loathing. That would that would direct someone to create a scenario in their minds where they no longer exist and then aspire to that existence. It doesn't even make sense, but that's what a lot of modern Buddhism is at. And a lot of spiritual practice during the Buddhist time was just like that, excuse me. Alara Kalama and Udeka Ramaputta, both teachers mentioned by the Buddha. Both taught a Dhamma that reconciled in magical, mystical, non-human realms that could easily be described as the realm of emptiness or the realm of nothingness. The Buddha studied that, understood it, and immediately rejected that type of thinking as not leading to his goal of understanding and self-awakening. We do it ourselves. Nobody else does it. Nobody else can do it. The Buddha continues, These other things do not lead to unbinding from views ignorant of four noble truths. So again, a long, long time ago, when I first started teaching meditation, and that was just, um, I never set out to be a meditation teacher. I started teaching meditation um, to raise money for a charity of the acupuncturist that was in the next building over, uh, right next door, that Matt ended up buying. Um, Where was I going with that? Oh, and I very quickly realized that if I was going to teach meditation, I was going to teach it in an authentic way, no matter how many people were interested, I was going to teach the Buddha's Dharma or no, no Dhamma, or no Dharma at all. And it's because of understanding what the Buddha taught. I could easily have fallen into, well, it's for charity, and we want to be, I want to be, I want all everybody in Frenchtown to love me and know me as the world's greatest meditation teacher. So let's just do what the people love and what they want to do, and and we'll have some fun and we'll read poetry and do some chanting and dance around a little bit. It'll be a great social evening.
3: Sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, none of you would be here. I bet you there'd be a lot more people here, but none of you would be here, because it's what you were looking for. You were looking for understanding. And those that tend towards that are looking for a Dharma practice that provides the same distraction that ordinary life does. In other words, they're looking for, for distraction in a practice that should be leading them away from distraction, but conditioned thinking. The Buddha continues. I teach four noble truths. And then he describes exactly what they are. He, treats, he, he teaches what stress is. This is stress. He teaches the origination of stress. He teaches the cessation of stress, the third noble truth. And he teaches that the Eightfold Path is the path developing the cessation of stress, or Dukkha. So, excuse <clears> me. <throat> again, it's hard to understand how Buddhism became so corrupted with these simple and direct teachings. Um, that the Buddha presented over and over again during his 45-year dispensation. But we know from even just reading um, some of the many skillful translations, read a read, read simsapa Sutta from anyone else, and you'll see even something as simple as this, the need to install magical and mystical teachings even into a Sutta like this. And again, that, of course, the Buddha didn't teach anything like that. And it's, it's, uh, it's even more glaring in a sutta like this. that tries to be simple and tries to keep it pure. This is what I teach. I teach these things because they are related to my dhamma. They support the principles of a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. These things that I teach lead directly to disenchantment, to dispassion, to calm, to direct knowledge, to cessation, and to self-awakening. So again, if you want to check your Dhamma practices, and if you're not sure that your Dhamma practice is pure, you can ask yourself, does it lead directly to disenchantment? Well, I would say that if you think the part of your practice is chanting, that's not likely to lead to disenchantment unless you're like me, and it leads to disenchantment of being enchanted about chanting. (laughs) Or something
1: else.
0: These things that I teach lead directly to... To disenchantment, to dispassion, to calm, to direct knowledge, to cessation, and to self awakening. So, is your practice speculative? Are you planning on or counting on some outside agency to deliver your awakening? Are you praying or counting on Avalokitesvara? That's the the being with the with the eight limbs. You know, that can handle everything with all those arms. Are you counting on Avalokitesvara to awaken you? Well, maybe, but. You're not practicing the Buddha's dhamma if you are. These things that I teach lead directly to unbinding from views, ignorance, of four noble truths. So things that don't lead directly to that are, are those thoughts and beliefs and structures that are in place to continue ignorance of four noble truths, and they work very well. This is why I teach these things. So this is your practice. This is dhamma practice. Understanding stress. Does anybody think that we can't understand stress? Does anybody think that we can't understand understand stress at its most profound level? Even at its most profound level, it's right in front of us all the time. It's not hidden. It's not mass. It doesn't take any particular um, high level of intelligence. It doesn't take any particular lineage. It doesn't take any particularly brilliant teacher. You're lucky. (laughs) It It just takes authentic Dharma practice. And I'm here to tell you. It just takes authentic Dharma practice. You're all here to tell the world. It just takes authentic Dharma practice because that's all you've ever done because it's all that we've ever taught. It's all that we've ever practiced here. You know that if you're practicing what you learned at Cross River Meditation Center is pure Dharma because that's all it's ever taught here. Isn't that nice to have that thought that in the, I guess it's 10 or 11 years, that we've never had one class here that was based on anything other than the Buddha's Dhamma. I think that's important. And I think that's why we're so successful as a a Sangha. Because we keep it focused. So this is your practice. Understanding stress. Understanding the origination of stress. Experiencing the cessation of stress. That's Dhamma practice. And developing the Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of stress. That's the end of the sutta. There's no ambiguity here at all, is there? So, when we become confused about our Dhamma practice, and every one of us will, especially if you are practicing something, another form, excuse me, of modern Buddhism,
1: excuse me,
0: confusion is going to be a big part of your early Dhamma practice. But the more you recognize, the more you follow this simple sutta, the quicker you're going to let go of all the things that are standing in the way of developing the Dhamma. And focus just on what the Dharma taught. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with uh, I'm trying to think of who came on first. I think it was Brian. Brian, how are you? Good,
1: John. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed last week going last. That was nice. Um, uh, yeah, I, I do appreciate brevity and, and this one straight to the point. And, and you know, when I start getting my my head wrapped around the axle of you know four this and fifteen this and twelve that, it just it cuts right back to the the core. And powerful. Very yeah
0: cool. so thank you. really. thanks, Brian. Matteo, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, and hi
4: everybody. Um, what I can say, um when you make the example last joke about chanting and this a chanting, um
2: I think there is a lot of misunderstanding nowadays more than Buddhist, no? now, because uh, pro- my idea is like probably back at the time of Gautama there was some chanting because uh, there was a lot of illiterate people They can't read and write. It was the only way yes. to re- repeat and repeat. And then it became kind of like a, we must chant in yep. is yeah. yep. only yeah.
0: yeah, you're absolutely right, Matteo. And, so and they used chanting because they didn't use writing to preserve the Dhamma. So chanting, doing something in a repetitive way, was a brilliant method of memorizing the Dhamma and that's why they used it and again that became something everything was that was tinged by some mystical belief would also apply to something like that that there was a a mystical explanation for that for chanting and that there's vibrations that 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 chanting has that changes things in your in the physiology and again maybe it's true but the Buddha never felt the need to to teach that distraction so he didn't. thanks Mateo good morning Mary Good morning, John.
4: Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm reminded that, you know, whenever we're looking for something else or um, trying to solve a riddle or a problem or uh, something that we wish was different than it is, um, how important it is to come back to um, the understanding of the Four Noble Truths. I don't think I always understood that, and I think I'm still... Um, Hardwiring that to my brain, if you will, then it's the, what it truly means to be ignorant of the Four Noble Truths, and that the understanding and appreciation of that, you know, sets you on your way and allows you the relinquishment and abandonment that you're looking for yeah. from uh, the things that are causing uh, stress or misunderstanding in your life. And that came to me. that that lesson of understanding came to me while you were speaking. So, thank you. Thank
0: you, Mary. Yeah, understanding four noble truths is understanding what it is to be a human being. It's just like that. Mark, how are you? Hey, John. Hey, everyone. Yeah,
4: good, thank you. Um, Don't have too much to say, similar to the suits, but um, it... It was short until the point, but it actually helped with meditation. Um, yeah. It just brings you back.
5: Um, sometimes I think I get what's going on. Sometimes you want to look for other reasons. So um,
0: yeah, it was nice to just bring it back. Yeah, yeah. thank you. The, uh, the this this you mentioned something about it helps your meditation. A pure dharma practice does support. A pure jhana practice, and a jhana practice supports a pure meditation practice. Both of those things. I don't think that, somebody asked me, a new student said that their practice, I can't remember what they, no short-term memory anymore. that they, they practice a particular form of meditation. They, they like the Eightfold Path, but they don't want to give up their meditation practice. And I said, well, a, then you have a Sevenfold Practice, but that's fine, it's your choice. And I said it that way, not to be snarky, to, make, to, to point out to them that it has to be their decision, and they have to decide on a Sevenfold, or an Eightfold, or a Twelvefold Path. Most modern Buddhists practice an Infinite-Fold Path, meaning anything that can be added to their practice and, and that's encouraged by many of the modern teachers too they you know that all all dharmas are one and they should all be part of one big uh, dharmic soup and that's just that's just not the case at least not what I found so thank you Alex how are you good to see you
4: hi John hi everybody uh, yeah good to see you all um, yeah I don't have much to add just I, I didn't do the reading beforehand unfortunately so I haven't had a lot of time to think about it so I just wanted to get some clarity on the leaves analogy just to check I've understood it correctly Um, from my understanding what he's saying is all you need is is the Dharma just because there's lots of other things to just to think about it doesn't mean that they're gonna serve you in any way Um, all you need is is my is my Dharma that's why I teach just that Um, yeah is that
0: right that that's exactly it. Yeah. It, it, it. thank you Alex. and if you think about the the what the buddha's the, the profundity of what he's saying there you know he he's not he, he never played um uh he was completely self effacing in other words if he wanted to be the 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 world's greatest meditation teacher or whatever you might call it back then he wouldn't have approached it this way he would have he would have he would have put out a lot of um a lot of signs that would attract people to him and not be so concerned about actually changing people's minds, would he? You, you, numbers. And even today, numbers seem to, in many people's minds, the more people are doing something, the more it's legitimate. Of course, that just means you might have, you know, the, the most people fooled is usually how that works. Um, and, and they, you know, I, I, I hit this a lot. Maybe this is why this is one of my favorite suttas is because it's so important to focus. If we're going to be Dhamma practitioners, to keep it well focused. And it's just like this. And it's it's an easy, simple, direct practice that everybody argues when I use that word easy, as long as it's kept pure. Dhamma, the Dhamma becomes difficult when we, we allow our conditioned thinking to impact our Dhamma practice and start questioning it and doubting it. The hindrances arise then. But if we just took the Buddha's words and practice it that way... If, if, if. In, one, if. in a perfect world, no human beings would be conditioned towards thinking uh, rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. But that's not the case. And that's what the Buddha realized, and that's why he came up with an eightfold path. If he was just a, another savior, he would have said, I figured it out, people. All you need is to meditate a little bit and calm down, and you'll be good to go and give me five bucks. That would have been a, a typical teacher back then. But he wasn't like that. He constantly told people, you have to do the practice. It's not hard, but you got to practice it this way. David, how are you? Thanks, Alan.
4: Alan. I'm binding from wrong view. To have anything
3: more distracting you will get you lost. So the handful is what you need to focus on, and that points to right effort. Anything else is a distraction. It may be uh, good and kind, but it's not based in right view. Yeah. So therefore, it, it, it is easy to be distracted. And this whole point of this practice is to pierce the ignorance. And it can only be done with a very focused practice. Yeah. And that's what the Buddha's telling you is, there's plenty of leaves out there, but these are the leaves you need to concentrate on. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank you,
0: David. It's well said. We, when you hear me say the, the, the most loving thing I can do for myself and all the ascension beings is to take to the Dhamma and awaken, and that, that, that's what I mean, too, because we're no longer um, imposing beliefs on people. I, my Dhamma practice is my Dhamma practice. I'm very fortunate that I have other people that, be, that I can join your Sangha. But, I would still be practicing whether you were here or not, and I I hope you would all say the same. It's just that way. We are fortunate that we have the Dhamma, but we're also fortunate that we have a well-focused Sangha that we can be a part of. Because I was a part of modern Buddhism for many, many years, and I didn't realize it, but I kept looking for that (laughs) well-focused Sangha, at least one that was focused on what the Buddha actually taught. Thank you, David. I'm going to go around this way. Brad, how are you?
3: Good, good to be here. Thank you for the teaching. Uh, Life is stressful, so (laughs) it's going to keep on coming. Um, So it's uh, important to, uh, it's good for me to be here. Um, And uh, I just come back to my breath and practice the Eightfold Path to the the best of my ability. Um, So that's all. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Brett. Good morning, Becky.
5: Good morning, everyone. well, the Buddha kept it simple, and that makes it, that makes it possible and easier to focus. Yeah. And if you, if it was not, like like David said, if you just weren't focusing on the few leaves, on the important leaves, on the the four noble truths, um, you would get lost because. To awaken and to follow the Eightfold Path and to remain in the moment and in right view takes enormous concentration and focus. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of Siddhartha Gotama to keep it simple because that's the only way that you can have the strength of focus that you need. To, to do what, what you're trying to do, to, to practice the Dhamma. Okay. And if you, if you do, if you... I've noticed, especially, especially this week, for some reason, that more and more, even, even, even if you feel you're not meditating as much as you should, um, you feel a little bit, you know, like you might be beating yourself up because you didn't meditate today, Beating yourself up is too strong, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, harsh, just Harsh. You, you still find that the dharma comes into your day. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just because you're fo- you, you, you learn to focus. That's right. And uh, so, thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, reality is always there for us to, to view, as long as we have right view. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning.
4: Um, thank you. And it is it's just very simple and direct and clear. Of type. And these comments are so brilliant, I have nothing to add.
3: That was pretty good what you added. Thank <laughs> you, Kevin.
0: Good morning, Adam.
3: morning, John. Um, I, I found this to be deceptively simple. And it didn't kind of contextualize for me until I hearing David and Mark and Mary comment um, on you know the nature of the four noble truths and the wayful path and everything else, all the distractions that are out there, all those leaves in the canopy. Um, I'm wondering, is there a uh, could you draw an analogy between um, you know the, the four noble truths, the leaves in the hand? And all the other dharmas out there. And John Meditation, where you're to the breath, the simplicity of the breath, those are the things you're holding in your those leaves you're holding in your hand. Yep. And then all the other thoughts and ideas passing through your head, that's all the other dharmas.
0: That's right. That, that's a that's a great analogy. And so that all the other dharmas are the all the rest of the forest. And the dhamma is that it's like the Buddha said. It's a, and it's a beautiful metaphor isn't it that way uh, and it keeps us they, they, and it's a visual that we they, we can carry the dhamma around with us all it's very easy we in it, the word integration is like that i'm not going <clears throat> you're not going to the temple on two hundred seven Harrison Street for your dharma are you? this is one place where you practice it, but you practice it twenty four seven out there that's dhamma practice it's it's interesting because that's what you know, Christians like to say, that the, that the Lord's house is everywhere. We can remember hearing that say it. But that's really the Dhamma is our underlying reality. It's not in any specific place. It's not in any specific person. It's present in the world whether we want to recognize it or not. The, <clears throat> up until the moment that we blow ourselves off this planet, Four noble truths prevail, whether we recognize it or not. And I'm not saying we are going to blow it. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll continue down this wonderfully peaceful path that we're all trudging. Uh, But the the point is, no matter how violent or how peaceful we are, that that doesn't mean that the Dhamma is here or it's not. Again, the Dhamma is not a salvific thing. The fact that, that we live in such a violent world is not a condemnation of the Dhamma or that it's not working. It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with numbers. It has to do with our own direct experience. Ehepa come and see for yourself. Tim, how are you?
1: Good, John. Good morning, everybody. You. Yeah, I think uh, this, a couple things, if I could. Um, this sutta is like a, a good one to, if anybody ever asks, what do you do when you, when you go to those classes? Mm-hmm. You know, well, this is the, pr- and there's a big book, you know, <laughs> this is the preface. Right. I mean, this is basically the speech. De- deceptively <laughs> simple. Yeah. It is deceptively simple, but I, I don't find it simple at all. Um, but that's just my view. Um, but essentially, this is what uh, the Buddha does over and over and over again. Yeah. Those four things, right? Um, but one thing, when I read the sutta and take the sutta for its for what it's saying. It, the Buddha's not, in my view, not. He's just saying there's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of stuff out there that has nothing to do with the Dharma. But it doesn't mean it's not good to know. It doesn't mean we we don't we sh, we don't have to go out there and 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 learn those things. I don't I don't necessarily think that the Buddha's necessarily talking about. Well, he may have been false dharmas or religions or salvific things. He's Just saying, yeah, you know, gravity cool let's talk about it well yeah we could but it doesn't have anything to do with the Dharma yeah it just has nothing it has nothing to do with with being non-reactive to the impermanent phenomena in the world you know but I think that it's interesting that we all tend to want to pigeonhole what's being said to our own to our own conditioned thinking of what our experiences were in the past you for instance with a lot of the Dharma's that you've experienced, you get that out of this, and somebody might get something else out of it. Someone like me does not get any, that out of it because I've never experienced those other false dharmas, You see, so I look at it more as well, you know. But at any rate, I think it's okay, right? I mean, it's okay if we take it either way. but oh, I think, yeah. I think it's important to know that the Buddha is not being judgmental at all with with information. He's just saying this is this is what I'm teaching, and if you want to practice the Dhamma, we need to focus on these things. Anything else is just bland information that's going to distract us from our Dhamma practice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, you said it very well, Tim. And he, he's... He, he's really saying... He's equating fabricated dharma's with other ordinary distractions. And I think that's what... You know, it's exactly that. that you can... That people are going to think, they're going to learn, they're going to have interest about all kinds of different things. That's part of human life, and understand that there's something else separate from that called Dharma. That's all he's ever said, and the and that there's endless numbers of other things called religions or spiritual philosophies or even aspects of Buddhism are just that. They're just they're just the same as saying if you go bowling on Thursday nights, you're going to get to heaven. It's, 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 the same value to it. I'm not putting anything down. But but you're making a good point. Whatever we think about is what we think about. If we uh, want to think clearly, we'll have our thinking framed, resting in jhana, and framed by right view. And and that includes everything. Well,
1: last thing, John, with that, too, from what I'm gathering from this study, is that uh, with direct knowledge and with understanding the impermanent things that are around us, you know... Maintaining that non-reactiveness That equanimity Maintains that space Yeah where, where we don't have to be afraid of We don't have to have any fear of of information You know, we can stay Yeah, it's just can, what's occurring We can take that Dhamma with us off the cushion mm. Yep And that's, that's kind of what I think is the Fortification here that Buddha's saying You know, there are a lot of leaves out there We don't have to be afraid of them We don't have, you know But, you know this is the Dhamma. This is the, what yes. we need to do. So, Thank you.
0: Thank you. And that, that's true freedom. That's true freedom. So is, you could say that true freedom is the ability to think whatever you want to think, when you want to think it. Where, we, where does that come from? The Vataka Sintana Sutta. Sintana Sutta. And that, of course that means we, we, if we're if we're interested in astronomy, we're interested in astronomy. It doesn't mean that astronomy becomes part of our Dhamma practice. It's just something else we do. Or we might be into dogs. You know, my I named my dog Bodhi, but he's really not part of my Dhamma practice. He's,
2: he's a dog.
0: <laughs> it's nice. To be, yeah, know. and
2: you don't need to be uh, concerned that you're missing something. Yeah. Right. you know there is a lot. In fact, you're there. gaining and, everything. Boy, you could be missing a lot of stuff. But it's simple. This is it. Yeah. You don't need to be afraid. Yeah. yeah. Well, concerned and, that you're missing anything.
0: When you understand you're, you're a six-property person, it's all you can ever be, then you stop grasping after adding to this because you know you can't. And you understand impermanence at that level. And so then you just gently stay in right effort. Hello, Michael.
3: Hi, John. this um, a very good sutta. Uh, and I, I'd love the commentary in here. Everyone is like so introspective and imparting knowledge here today. Um, I'm sorry I don't have much to add. You're here. Other than the fact that uh, I actually believe taking care of my dog and treating him <laughs> is dharma practice. Is Dhamma Pratt. Dhamma Pratt. You shamed
0: your teacher. You're
3: right. <laughs> I'm not trying to. Sh- uh, that's not my intention. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a point here. How dull it might be, but I'll make it. <laughs> um, I just feel like when, like, we decided to. Bring a, a pet into our home. Uh, that pet has needs, and that I need to do right by him to fulfill those those needs, uh, yeah. and give him love and affection. You know, love. You know, love and kindness, so to say. Uh, also, and I look at that uh, with any time I see any and all animals. Okay, uh, no matter how small that animal might be, we even like. I don't kill insects just for the sake of hey, get the you know get the fly swatter. There's four flies around here. Let's kill them. I just you know I believe that everything has its right to exist, and mm-hmm. who am I t- who's, who am I to decide when that life ends for them? So I try to treat every living thing with love and kindness and understanding their existence.
0: Beautiful, Michael. Thank you. Good morning, Julia. Good
6: morning, John. Um, I feel like what what Tim was saying about the Buddha when he was describing the tree and then the the leaves in his hands, that's all the knowledge that that he has. I look at it as that, that it's more to just, all this is, this is all the knowledge that I have. And with all the knowledge that I have, this is the only thing that's going to lead to your awakening so yep. this is the only thing I teach and I look and I also see that this even though it's only for you know four noble truths don't be fooled by the number four noble truths. that's oh it's a small number so it's simple I look at it as extremely concise pinpointed and the most knowledge that you actually can get from any practice and so it's not really <coughs> extremely complex because he teaches you about first um, how the world the, the world is that we gather stress so that it's an impermanent environment and we're also impermanent and how we're how we uh, interact with the world and, and then he also teaches you how the mind the, you know um, where the stress comes from and, and the process that our mind. You know, goes through, and it gives you this complex thing called dependent origination, which is n- is not like an easy thing for anyone to just say, oh yeah, that's easy. No, no, it's complex. This is the psychological way that we actually see the world, and we yeah. actually interact, and get, ga- and, and and gather more stress, and put ourselves deeper into more ignorance. That right there is very, um, that to me is very complex, and I think it's beautiful that he can give us that. Other other practices don't give you all just that whole how we how we how we think you know and how we can undo it by jhana meditation so he gives us the jhana meditation now that is we could say is simplistic because it's based on the breath but it's difficult to do sometimes i mean yeah sure you can sit down and say oh yeah see that's easy it's an easy process it's very natural we breathe so naturally it's 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 easy it's something that we do all the time but you know, you sit down and and you start meditating, and it, and it takes a while before you can actually sit down and just go into jhana. You know, calm yeah. your m- m- mind. It, it that takes a lot of practice. It takes many years sometimes to actually be able to sit down and and, and go right into jhana. Yeah. It's not an easy process. Yeah. And um, of course, lastly, he gives us the eightfold path. So I I think it's a beautiful, but it's a very concise and it's extreme knowledge that other practices don't give you you know hey, sit down meditate what about all the other things i really should understand so that i can use wise restraint you know other other practices don't teach you all all that so i don't know i just feel like it's this is a this is an amazing an amazing sutta because he's he's showing you i have all this knowledge i'm giving you this this is all you Mm -hmm. really need need. that's it Mm -hmm. and and you you know you can be awakened also so I know, that's a lot. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I, exactly, I can do that. <laughs>
0: and again, sorry, it, 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 you don't, no, no need to apologize at all. The, 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 the Buddha is the Buddha's teaching again and again and again how simple it is, beginning with jhana meditation. And you're right, for most people, I, I think every student I've ever had, but I mean, there's some people that spontaneously take the jhana and they get it. Um they have a very difficult time. But isn't it interesting that human beings don't have the ability to concentrate without a technique? I mean, it, 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 you would think that that would be a natural thing to do, to have, that, to have control over my own mind. Well, it is. It is natural, except that I believe in something that's not true, and that belief, belief in a fabrication, constantly distracts my mind away from reality. And so the Buddha countered it with this very simple and direct method. Jhana meditation and then the rest of the eightfold path to ring in to control our behavior and the expressions of our thoughts which which occur in right speech right action and right livelihood and again when you think of it this way and julia framed it beautifully too when you think of it this way it is a simple and direct path it's focused on one simple thing understanding. And it's a an, it's an understanding that any human being can develop, an understanding of.
2: Wrong. Yeah. Um, what Julia said on that there is a, a complexity to the Dhamma. This is true. That's what it looks like from the outside when you first encounter it. Yeah. Um but um It clarifies itself as you move into it, as you engage with the Dharma, things become clearer, which is not what happens with most other ways uh, of, of practice. They become more complicated. I just had a long conversation with an old friend of mine, <clears throat> and he wanted to know what my um uh, my Commentary was on a book that he sent me on um, some new translation of a of a um, of Buddhist practice, basically, and it's like three layers of commentary and all based on the Abhidharma. And uh, I said, you know, (laughs) I I went three pages and I realized that it was just going to get me completely confused. You know, if I if I continued in that, it's brutal. I have I I I have no need to, to thank you for sending me the book, but this is not something that's going to make my life any easier. <laughs> no, well, well. <laughs> uh, And and I'm I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in I'm in that I, I used to be in that forest a lot.
0: You know. Oh, Almost so that you I'm, you would you would. You would judge yourself harshly because you didn't get it. Right. And there's oh, like yeah. there's something there that, right. that uh, yeah. hidden knowledge.
2: couldn't pass a uh, Barnes and Nobles without really yeah. wanted to go in there and find another secret. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it's all in the forest. And, um, I'm still around people that, that live in that forest. You know, it's more practice and there's more things you can do. There's more knowledge that you can gain.
4: Yeah, well, that's the appeal, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's always very more, appealing. always changing.
2: And frankly, um, thank God, um, the Dharma is here for me because that attraction is just freaking gone. Yeah. I, 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 there, there's no attraction for yeah. for more um, for more knowledge, for more leads, yeah. uh, the, the 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 peace and the and the calm. Um, that comes out of out of this dharma is is um, that's what keeps me here. Um,
0: You've had that direct experience.
2: It's a direct experience. Um, yeah, that that is the the, the greater pleasure, by the okay. way. It, it, in, rec- in, in what another, Ram is
0: talking about is yeah. recognizing the experience itself.
2: Yeah, there, there, there was a sutta earlier about the, the lesser and greater pleasures. Yeah. Um, you know, these chasing after these leaves is it's really the the lesser pleasure. It's it seems more appealing in, in the beginning. Yeah, um, but then you, you you see the the uh, the calm and peace. That comes out of the simplicity of the Dharma, and uh tell you, there's there's no substitute for that. Yeah,
0: there isn't. Thank you, Ron. That, right. grasping after the what's up in the trees is eye making. It's ongoing eye making, isn't it? Yeah.
1: John, can I just respond to what Ron said? Just sure. Just so some clarity. Um, the ego, the non-self, has a de- has a desire to identify, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we can agree with that through our understanding of on the top to impermanent objects and concepts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I understand what you're saying, and and I think in a in a ideal world, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's absolutely correct. The less, the thinner that net, mm-hmm. the less entangled we are.
2: Yeah,
1: but you know, I'm so long as on my end, I don't identify with those things that I learn. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, yeah, we go about, fine. but I mean, to your oh, point, I... it's very tempting, I you mean, know, it's very tempting, and it's it's tempting and fearful that we could identify the more we subject ourselves to things that are not, you know, that are impermanent, mm-hmm. you know? Reality but, is, is when,
2: when you when you when you see yourself, you know, uh, gathering knowledge and all that, um, if you realize I'm just gathering knowledge here, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm you know watching YouTube videos on Japanese marketry. <laughs> wonderful it, stuff. You know, just to check that out. You're, <laughs> you're bringing up something very but, important, that, but it is just plain distraction. It is. Yes, it, it, they. The
0: ignorance requires um, an aspect of ignorance to continue. So we a conditioned mind is a mind that is conditioned to ignore its own ignorance, and it can often manifest like Tim is talking about in that way. That you don't a mind that's rooted in ignorance doesn't know what it's ignorant of. That's that's inherent. So you could be ignorant of the fact that you're that you're not constantly eye-making when, in fact, you are constantly eye-making. That if, if everybody that was eye-making knew that they were eye-making, they would stop, is another way of saying what I just said. We just don't know it. We don't realize what we're doing to ourselves, so we continue to do it. And we, we've created very powerful and very subtle strategies to continue to ignore our own, our own ignorance, including what is so common today, the thing that, that everybody, most people use, to keep maintaining fabrication is groupthink. We, we, we gravitate towards a certain group of people that think the way we think, and we're good to go because other people think that way, so it must be okay. We're doing the same thing, by the way, by keeping a well-informed and well-focused Sangha. We're attempting to think within the Sangha a certain way, and it's along certain lines. That's a good thing. We're doing what our, our teacher told us to do, to think this way, and it's working. And it's just that simple. So out in the world we're going to respond to the world in a much different way. We're going to respond to the world with common peace and understanding. And internally we know what reality is. And that allows us to be present for everything that occurs, for, for all of life's, um, all the wonderful things in life we can participate in and we can do it freely as Dharma practitioners. Why? Because we also participate in the less fun things in life because we don't resist it, we don't have aversion to it. We understand all of life is simply what's occurring, and so we allow ourselves to live all of life. And you cannot have a human life unless you're willing to live all of it, not just part of it. Because as soon as you start excluding parts of your life, You're stuck in eye-making, and you're excluding your whole life from yourself. So we learn the difference between acceptance and approval through what the Buddha taught here, through Four Noble Truths. And we learn to accept things as they're occurring. Why? Because they're occurring. It's foolish, it's immature, it's childlike to get upset about something that's already occurred, hasn't it? Isn't it? But yet we do it all the time. We're always upset over things that have already occurred and we get we worry about things that we think are going to occur based on what already occurred, that we shouldn't have got upset about in the first place, it's conditioning our minds to the future. Instead of understanding that whatever is occurring is what's occurring as a consequence of having a human life and it has nothing to do with me. And there's so much freedom, there's so much peace in that. Think about living the rest of today without you in it without the, the you that would get upset, without the you that would get entangled. Think about that. Because we all have the ability now. We all have the concentration now. We've developed it far enough to keep ourselves disentangled from the world today. Let's do it. That's today's class. We'll finish with meta as we always do. And let, does anybody else have anything else to add? Okay. Um, and like I said, there's three more classes in this, and then we're gonna, we're going to do something else. We're going to do... I think we'll get into Tibetan Buddhism soon.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just, I love the hats. I love the hats and, the, and the, the monasteries are the best. We'll finish with, and that's true, I really do. I, my, uh, I still think of my, I call him my root guru, the man I took my vows with. He's just a wonderful man. I just couldn't follow his religion anymore. I wish I could. The Buddha's words on Metta from the Karani and metta Sutta Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense-desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful clip. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.